0: Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, Sir Lucian talks about his West Marches campaign prep. Um, I get excited about a new RPG called Kids on Bikes, and we talk about learning to improv and roleplay. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday morning D&D show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host Sir Lucian over at Sir Lucian Gaming.
1: Say hello sir. Hello, I think I spelled your name right on this one, so Oh, fantastic. From last oh, week.
0: yeah. <laughs> I'll look over, and I'm like, hey, my name's spelled yeah. right. I didn't even notice until somebody pointed it out, and they were like, is yeah. it, why is this name spelled funny? But, um, yeah, this is a Saturday morning D&D show. We just kind of talk about D&D and our games, um, and I had quite a few games. My cat is going crazy. I had uh, quite a few games going on this mm. week, um, and I've got one more today that I'll talk about in a little bit, uh, but... Lucian, you did not play as many games this week.
1: No, oh. I did not.
0: But before we start, before... I wanted to show... So before we get into things, uh, we we had some people say, oh, Jordan didn't get to show off all of the Gen Con stuff that he bought. And I didn't That's buy true. a lot of stuff, but I will. I have it next to me here. So I bought Kids on Bikes. This is a role-playing game of kids set in the 80s. It's kind of like Stranger Things, the role-playing game. And I'm really excited about this. Um because i want to do a halloween game so i'm trying to write a kids on bikes halloween game and my goal is to record it i actually bought a new microphone and it's coming in the mail on monday or tuesday and i'm going to test it out with my tuesday night DD group and see how it captures audio around the table um and then this this halloween themed game that i'm gonna write uh, i'm gonna run it and try to record it and throw it up here on the saturday morning DD show channel so uh Subscribe to us on YouTube, and you can see uh, that when it comes out around October-ish sometime, probably around Halloween. Um, So that's a really Mm -hmm. awesome thing that I got at Gen Con that I'm really excited for. I bought a Gen Con dice bag, um, which has been the envy of everybody at Adventure League, uh, which is really fun. And then I bought this really cool dice tray that uh, you snap together. So it comes out, it lays flat in your backpack, and then you snap it together. And so, yeah. So that's my Gen Con swag, very briefly. That, so just so everybody, because people inquiring minds were curious. Well, um, and
1: you probably would have got a lot more, but you knew you had to go back yes. on that flight. And you packed like super light. Like you didn't even bring a suitcase for some no. reason. Like You brought like an empty suitcase Well, I just sent that back. <laughs> yeah. In my mind,
0: I was thinking I'm not going to be able to go to the hotel to like drop off a suitcase and I didn't want to like wheel around a suitcase. So I'm like, I'm just going to bring a backpack. It's going to be awesome. Um, But then in hindsight, I couldn't really take anything home with me. So uh, next, next year I will, I will definitely (laughs) bring some more stuff because there was a lot of cool stuff to buy. Like yeah. a lot of cool stuff to buy. Well,
1: it was funny because I think we had a lot of the kind of the similar things. Like I got some games like you did. You got some games that you're interested in, some nice books and RPGs. We both got something that was dice related. Like I got a couple of dice bags, but I also got like um, a dice tower to roll in. So right. you the dice tray, I got the dice tower. So it was all pretty funny, cool stuff. I did get some, uh, I have an ambition to be able to role play a game at my kitchen table because I do almost all my stuff online. I did buy some dry erase boards that snap together. Oh, yeah. And on one side are squares, and on the other side are hexes, so I could play any types of different games from a company that's here in in town. And I see Felix is going crazy, huh?
0: He he is. He is going
1: crazy. So there
0: is – I don't remember the name of this company, if I do remember it, because they're not, like, plugging us or anything. But they Mm -hmm. make um, custom notebooks that Mm -hmm. are dry erase on the inside.
1: Whoa. So nice. like
0: I have some of my D and D prep notes here, and then um, whenever I am doing hit points and stuff at the table, I can or just like I need to draw something quick and show them, and then you can just erase it later, the dry erase. Uh, that thing has been a lifesaver for Dungeons and Dragons, um, just yeah. not burning through tons and tons of paper and being able to fix things. like if I draw something, I'm like, "Oh, actually, that door's not here, it's over here. Let me like reshape it really quickly for you. Uh, yeah that's a
1: cool idea i'm gonna look yeah, for that that's yeah. really cool
0: it's uh it will it w- and then it's custom so i put like dungeons and dragons on the front because you can put mm-hmm. like a custom design i found like a uh d20 on the internet and th- was like threw it on there so it's really cool well,
1: Then i'm gonna put on their saturday morning D show sounds that's what I'm gonna do with awesome <laughs> so yeah so it's been a great week we're so glad to be back it's funny that we still talk about it too but still DD news is rolling through and lots you know things here and there as they ramp up um the end of the year for DD 5e looks pretty crazy at the moment because of all the stuff they're releasing like they just ramped the number of books and i know we've talked about it a lot but we've seen some things here and there um and mostly it was again there was a really a dragon plus magazine came out finally. Mm -hmm. So that was out there. If you guys want to go take a look at that, they always have really cool um, information in there. And this month's issue had an adventure in it too. So if you're looking for an adventure to throw at your players, I don't know what level it was, but I know they said they asked him for some like artwork and the guy just ended up giving them a whole adventure to play. So they put it in the book and I thought that was cool, but they're starting to ramp up and talk more and more about their big release. That's coming up, which is obviously dragon heist, which water deep dragon heist, which I'm looking forward to. Um, and I think that one's gonna be really cool, but I think it's the second one that I'm looking more forward to, which is um, the when Mad they actually go yeah, when they yeah. actually go down because that I want to see how they're gonna handle all of that. I, I I like the idea of, of the uh, the big city campaign. I like the idea of some of the things they're gonna do in it, like you're gonna own real estate and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think it's that big mega dungeon that I'm waiting to look at to see what a five e mega dungeon looks like from Wizards of the Coast. Some other people have been doing it. Um, and I've seen some conversions and some other stuff that other companies have put out, but I'm like, I'm willing to waiting to see what
0: well, lots of people worked on that too. Like they hired a lot of third party, uh, dungeon designers, I guess, to, to create that, uh, sections of that, of that mad Mage dungeon and stuff. But, um, I'm actually the opposite. I'm more excited for dragon heist because I want to see all of these like city, um, building and and city kind of uh stuff that they're they're including in the book so it's not Mm -hmm. just an adventure set in a city like they have like world building stuff for like how do you have an adventure in a city which I'm really excited for because we've seen mega dungeons before and granted we haven't seen like a super 5e mega dungeon unless you count tales of the yawning portal which had lots of of stuff like the the Thay one what was the Thay?
1: yeah Um, yeah yeah that's close to like a mega dungeon. yeah
0: and it was big uh now i can't remember it i gotta look it up
1: <laughs> and uh well and while that's well, he's looking that up and what we should do then is we should tag team dm this because you could do that first part and then once we get through that part we switch and i take over the mega dungeon part and then we get to dm the parts that we like
0: yeah it was and Dead like, and Thay, and that was part of dead. the play test, which actually was a pretty big dungeon from what I remember, but uh, reading it, I didn't like it, and I never actually Ooh. like, like, I read through Tales of the Awning Portal, and I was pulling different puzzles and stuff out to use in, in some of my games, but that one mm-hmm. just confused me. I think I need somebody else to, like, run me through that one, because there was all these, like, gather a key that unlocks here, which will teleport you over there, um, kind of kind of confusing for for just sitting down to read it i guess maybe i need to map it out a little better but um but yeah it was good enough that they decided to put it in tales in the yawning Portal. so I don't yeah
1: know. well and i like that they brought that older content back which kind oh, of yeah. will lead into some of the the talk we're gonna have in a little bit when we get to that part um because i'm doing the same thing but uh like indoor adventure had mentioned that maelstrom part of storm king's thunder that's true that can be kind of a mega dungeon but yeah you're fighting giants at that point so you better be ready for that um but uh, an entire
0: dungeon that's levels five to 20 like that's that's pretty awesome so yeah it's gonna be cool almost
1: like 20 plus and it's supposed to be like i think they said in the book they've detailed out like i want to say like 12 or 15 levels i mean that sounds like not just hey you can do this mega dungeon but they give you a little book that says here's a bunch of charts and it's a bunch of random stuff but not like a lot of meat to it as far as here's how to do it if it's like page after page of awesome maps and and grids and things that you can use and then it's all the the random encounter stuff and then it's all the factions that are fighting and it's all this stuff going on that's going to be a huge fun book and it sounded like it was a big large book not just like a a thin supplement type thing that you sometimes get when people um, build some of those out Um, and yours is right the the dragon heist is one to five so you get to play a really fun Mm -hmm. succinct kind of adventuring one to five is a great leveling opportunity for people playing characters getting to know their characters but then to really take it past that five to 20 is just so good yeah so that that should be pretty fun yeah another big thing oh go ahead
0: no no uh i had something to say and i totally spaced what it is so go (laughs) right ahead (laughs) the
1: the other big thing was i you know i'm huge into ravnica and i know it's really cool because so far in our show we keep landing on each side of something different. Like, so you're, you're super into Eberron and we've been talking about Eberron and it's super cool. Yeah. And I'm super excited about Ravnica. And so it's like each of these products is hitting each one of us differently a little bit, which is cool. So one of the things they have out on Unearth Arcana this week was uh, they showed some races that are going to be coming with the Ravnica books. We've right. so got the Loxodon. Come on, a big elephant man and woman kind of thing. I just thought that was super cool. I want to play one right now. Um, <laughs> the, Stimit, the the delkin and the vishano and i think i'm pronouncing all those right because i played magic gathering and never knew how to pronounce any of these things they're just on the cards when you read them and yeah. you see the art and you're not quite sure but that's how uh um jeremy was pronouncing them. he said he he had a lot of the magic team helping him with the pronunciation but i just thought oh, Luxodon is is big for me i like some of the animal races I like some of the part animal, like when we, when we got tabaxi was pretty cool. Um, We get Tortles was pretty cool. And I like those, but they weren't quite the animal I wanted to get yet. Like I'm, I'm a huge dog person. Like I want one that's like, looks like a big, like some type of dog. I want to play uh, what's the, what's the shifter or something? Pugmire. Think of Pugmire okay you know how everybody's a dog of some sort so you could be a corgi head in a in you know in a body and you could be the, the rottweiler or the doberman or whatever and and i love that idea so i hopefully they bring in um well they had a jackal headed race in one of the plains and one of the um other magic setting books they did because they did really small pamphlet setting books mm-hmm. a couple years back and they had a jackal headed one but an elephant headed dude. I just think that is so cool. Like these big, awesome type creatures. Um, the Simics are a hybrid creature and they're kind of like what happens when um, humans are spliced with something to make them some type of uh, a military force. And, but it's cool because it's almost like I, the pictures they were shown were more crustacean like, so it was more like crabs and lobsters and, and hmm. all that kind of stuff with so almost more, it made you kind of think of like a chaos from other genres. Like if you're doing Warhammer and stuff, they have a lot of that kind of stuff. So it wasn't necessarily mammal hybrids. It was more like um, sea creature hybrids. Interesting. Um, which I thought was an interesting way to go. The
0: Reminds me of the Kuatoa deity. I forget its name. It's like blip, bloop bloop or something. Um, but it's <laughs> yeah. a, a human woman with like crayfish head and hands and stuff like that. So
1: yeah. And then uh, the Delkin are blue-skinned, tall, thin forearms, as far as I can tell, in most of the artwork. So that's an interesting race. And then the Vishanu are a lizardman-style um, race, but mm-hmm. they definitely have prehensile tails. It seems like there's like blades that go on the tail, and um, they feel like they're trying to make them different than the lizard man, the lizard folk. Uh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Lizard folk and Volos guide. Um, because they're kind of similar, but we'll see how that, you know, what the, the which is
0: really cool that they're trying to do that because um, it could be so easy to be like, well, we'll just take the Volo stuff and put it in here as like the lizard, whatever. Um, And I remember the, the panel with Keith Baker on Eberron, he was even saying that they wanted the Warforge to be different from the tortle AC wise. Like the tortle has a static AC of just 17, Um, Mm -hmm. And they wanted the Warforge to be different, and that's why they they built a lot of those little things within the Warforge so that uh, he can adjust his AC depending on various, like, uh, plates of metal that he puts on his body and stuff. Because specifically, he's like, I want it to be different from the turtle And I was like, that's cool that you guys are taking the effort to try and make something new rather than just kind of, oh, we can just rehash this, you know?
1: yeah like a reskin yeah it yeah. almost feels like almost like yeah you have got great designers let them run with it don't just rehash mm-hmm. something you've already done although that is a, you know that's wizards of the coast main uh you know operating kind of set of procedures is to rehash what they've done before so yeah. but they are doing a great job and i love all the stuff they're putting out it's it's making my wallet book you know go further and further downward as i buy all these books but um i'm getting a lot of work out and in fact i was watching just the very first part of the stream yesterday for tomb of annihilation with adam coble and his team um and they were talking about that they were now on episode 40 or something like that and they were trying to figure out the hours and now they've been up to like 140 hours or 160 hours of time they put into this and he's like you know I probably complain about buying these books and how much they are expensive, but then look at all the time we put in it. So really, if it was a dollar per hour kind of entertainment value, I'm actually getting a lot out of it with yeah. all of the D. So in reality, if you're playing a lot of these, if you're playing Storm King's Thunder from start to finish, I'm still a year and a half into that. And I haven't even finished that one with my team. And that's easily a two-year campaign, if not more of entertainment for that, you know, what was 49 bucks when yeah, if you get the yeah. book, I think it was only 39 if you got it on roll 20 and it had all the stuff in there. Um that's just value for entertainment, crazy. I mean, that's a lot of good stuff, so.
0: So we're seeing an increase in books per year because we get not one adventure but two, like Waterdeep and Dungeon of the Mad Mage, as well as Ravnica, like these is all and granted the 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 Christmas season is a good time to be selling both things you know so i can see why they're kind of putting this in but like and then wayfinder's guide too if you want to count that as the pdf like do you think wizards is going to try and increase the amount of books they make per year um because they had a really good system of what was it like three books per year two or three books per year and it was like one here and one here and we kind of sprinkle like an adventure and then a source book and then an adventure um but I don't know. I was wondering if they were just like, well, maybe we should just start printing more books because we're getting so much and I'm excited for it, but I don't want the quality to go down because of the amount of books that are going up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder too if... Or I if this if is just a fluke.
0: Like, are they just kind of yeah. like, you know, we're just testing something out and we had a lot that we wanted to put out this quarter.
1: But... I think that's what it is. I think it's te- two tests, really, because Eberron feels like a test to me. Mm-hmm. Eberron feels like they're, because of the way they're releasing it on the, GM, the DMs Guild first, and it's a playtest PDF at this point that will get updated as things are being discussed and things are happening and, and people are playtesting through it, and it's not ready for print yet, that felt like they wanted to see how the community would receive content in that fashion. To maybe they would do more of that later on, right? So, like, mm-hmm. it almost feels like once we see how Eberron is received, how many people are into it, they're enjoying the testing of it, the changing of it, then they finally get their print book, uh, you know, six months down the road, a year down the road, whatever it takes. If that model works, maybe they start leaning more to doing more of those, but yet they're keeping their main kind of product line going while they're doing that test. And then the second thing that it feels like a test to me at the same time is that, hey, there's a big Magic the Gathering expansion coming out. So that's, I think, what drove a little bit of it because they have the big card expansion for that game is Ravnica. They're doing another three-set edition of Ravnica that's coming back. And I think they've been building knowing that timeline and wanted to do a tie-in to see, hey, where is the community at this point if we do tie-in stuff with our other games? Is it time to, to bring those in again? Because sometimes I think they do it and maybe they got lukewarm reception yeah so maybe they're like okay well you know no big deal maybe we'll just keep doing what we've been doing but maybe they're ready to try it again to say all right let's see what happens with the reception are we able to bring in a big two community two big communities together um in this so it feels like a testing phase it doesn't hurt that's going to happen during the christmas season when people can buy books for their their you know everybody like i you know yeah. it'll be, I can. It would be a great Christmas present for me to send to Jordan. At this point, one of them is, <laughs> He probably won't buy all of them, but it'd be nice if he gets one of them from some other source. You know, um, and I think those are the only things that are mentioned. Plus, there's still going to be stuff that happens right after the start of the new year mm-hmm. that they haven't announced yet, but is already in the pipe and already working and already getting ready for them to do. So, it's it's an exciting time, and I think the community will always try to ask for more stuff. Like they're always saying, where's our yeah. arcana article? Where's this? Where's that? We want more. We want more. We want more. So now they're starting to shove more of it towards us. You know, there's going to be that group of people. I think there's like, wait a minute, you're doing too much. You're diluting. What we're getting, yeah, at, it's or is it a money grab? Like the
0: the card the card game, like you have your rare cards and you have your whatever cards. So you don't want to just like like oh well, everybody wants this card. I need to mass produce it and I'll sell more cards. um The the idea is like well, no, some of these cards have to be rare than the others, kind of a thing. And I think it's I think kind of a maybe maybe my mind's not in the right mindset for this, and this is a bad example, but it's kind of the same thing where they everybody's always going to want things. And so you probably will never be able to give them enough to satiate like how much that they want. Like I want world building books. I want city building books. I want adventures. I want all this other stuff. Um, But if they're smart, they would release it in little bursts like they have been doing. Um, And it just makes me cautious because I'm like, is this a new trend or is this an experiment or is this like, you know, the stars just kind of aligned that we're going to have three books this holiday season like September to December, so.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I felt that way earlier. I got Storm King's Thunder and I started running it. And it was clear there was no way I was going to finish that before the next thing came out. So I remember thinking that, oh my God, they're already released something else. I haven't even gotten through Storm King's Thunder. So how am I supposed to buy this now, Tomb of Annihilation? I'm not even anywhere near that. And if I get Tomb of Annihilation, that's another year-long campaign and they've already got another. But how am I going to get to Waterdeep? You know, so there's this feeling of, wait, you're just releasing stuff too quickly. I can't get through it all. But I think I had to sit back and say, you know, you can't, you're probably not gonna be able to play every campaign back to back. Mm -hmm. That's not realistic, but you need to pick the ones that you're interested in playing, form the party that's interested in playing that style of campaign and play that game. And don't necessarily worry so much about I'm doing every product or I'm playing every product. But it's hard because they make them so compelling and they make them so interesting that I want to do them all, but you can't because these are big, long, books if you follow them from start to finish
0: yep i wonder uh if that was another reason to make um dungeon of the mad mage more like modular like you could jump in at level 10 and go to the level 10 areas as opposed Mm -hmm. to you know or you could start at level 5 and go all the way to 20 uh I think well, and uh, you know, it's not released. Maybe it's not as modular as I'm thinking it is, but it kind of makes it makes it sound like it, that's how it was going to be. You know, you could you could jump in at a certain level, like what they tried to do with Tomb of Annihilation. Like if you wanted to start if you wanted to start the dungeon at the very end of Tomb of Annihilation, you could. You could just be like, okay, you guys are level nine. We're going to jump into this dungeon. Da 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 da. Kind of finish out the whole adventure, um, or you could play from level one, or you could start at level five and actually bypass a bunch of the other stuff. You know. But as I'm jumping into more games at higher levels, I am appreciating starting at level one and progressing naturally because you really understand your character at that point. Uh, yeah. Like we'll get into this later, but I, I am playing a level eight wizard for saver dice and I'm just like flipping through notes. Like what spells do I have? Uh, what abilities can I do? Because you don't grow up learning these and, and getting them at certain intervals and kind of being able to utilize them they're just thrust upon you and you're like i i don't even know what my character can do half the time i don't know fireball there you go so Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah i'll just throw that out yeah <laughs> yeah i agree with, it's it's interesting it is hard i always thought to play the higher level character especially the spellcaster, because you got so much oh, yeah. going
0: on yeah
1: um to keep track of and you're trying to figure out what's gonna and you don't even know how the spell you kind of know what the spell does but then you're like you haven't been using it for two months with all these cool ways that you found to use the spell like because there's always interesting ways to find it not just the way it's written right yeah and uh, so i think that it's it's hard to jump into that so, and but people want to play that higher level they want to get to that higher level thing and i yeah. think not enough campaigns get there so it makes more sense to get them you know to play that so that's a cool show that you know. guys got going. just started right
0: yeah, yeah. Um, Wednesday was the first one. And it's only six episodes. So it's only going to be six weeks long. Um, but it should be a lot of fun. Uh, really cool, really cool group of people uh, that we all kind of like we were we we got online and we were chatting an hour before the show actually went live. And we were uh, kind of amazed at how quickly we were clicking with one another. And I'm just like, Oh, this will be a lot of fun. So <laughs> although I get really nerd like, the Saturday morning D show, I don't get as nervous anymore because I think we do it every week and I, and it's just like a conversation and it feels like, I don't know. It feels like I'm just talking with Lucian as opposed to talking to a bunch of people on the internet. But, mm-hmm. uh, with saver dice, I'm, there's such a pressure to be entertaining when you stream games online like that. And I'm, and I'm still learning this, like, Oh my gosh, like I'm so nervous because am I being entertaining enough? Like, am I being engaging enough for an audience? Uh, mm-hmm. and maybe it's the, uh, the stage fright background theater background that I have where I'm just like, uh, am I good? I don't know. (laughs) Like the audience, I can't tell. So, but it's a, it's a different experience streaming games than just like playing with my friends for sure. Yeah. Well,
1: even in the beginning too, like, cause like you said, you're trying to get character chemistry, but you're also trying to get player chemistry. Yeah. And it sounds like you've got player chemistry because you guys, have been on some other shows or you've been in, you know, that's all kind of that same orbit of friends and people yeah. and, and content creators that are making stuff. And, but character synergy hasn't quite probably happened yet and it probably will start and it'll get going and you'll have your inside jokes. You'll have yeah. your, Oh, you remember when we, when this happened and those things will happen and the characters will feel like they really work together, especially eighth level because that's a whole lifetime you've spent before yeah. you've come together somehow, unless, you know, that you've said, Oh, you've been in an adventuring group for all this time. Well, now you're just trying to, make that stuff up in your head as you go. So it's definitely interesting to start at that point, but it's fun because you get to see a lot of the cool class features that you might not see. Yeah, it's true. Combination. Do anybody multi-class? Is everybody just straight class? No,
0: everybody's just straight class. We've, it's funny. We've got two rogues, a bard and a wizard so <laughs> i was That'll and i fun. went down the very first game uh spoilers but uh thanks thankfully our our bard had healing word and was able to like pump some hit points into me because i'm just like well this is this is interesting i haven't really played a high level game um or dm'd a high level game without a cleric and so we're kind of we're gonna rely on this bard to keep us alive but um but i think it's balanced i think it'll be it'll be good it's just interesting having two rogues so we'll see <laughs> Who like we don't have a tank we'll see <laughs> Yeah. But enough about that. I mean, we'll get into that a little uh-huh. bit later. Uh, what have you been working on uh, or playing? Because you haven't played a lot of games this week, but you've been doing lots of dungeon pre- or lots no. of prep. So yeah, what have you been prepping? What's going on?
1: Yeah we, yeah, we definitely plan to play stuff, but then it, it falls through, which everybody happens. You know, somebody's yeah. schedule doesn't quite work. And then we say, well, let's wait to play that game next week. And so all that happened this week. And so I just took the days to do a bunch of streaming of campaign prep. Because I want to launch a big mega campaign next week that I've been talking about, um, which is kind of like a West marches, West marches, okay, yeah, West marches style hex crawl thing, but it's really blossomed into a monstrosity of my own making. (laughs) Because I could have taken the easy road in many routes here, and I didn't. Every time there was a decision to make, for some reason, I always chose the hard decision. Like it was like, let's don't just do this campaign for one group. What if I built this group and I let bunches of groups come in, like people just make groups and come and play this whenever they wanted to type thing. Let's do that. What about, um, let's just don't make it an all world that I've created. And I only have to create a little small part where they start at, and then I can build on it later on. No, no, no. Let's, let's have all these groups coming in that could go in different directions. So now I need to have everything kind of built because I never know which way they're going to go. And then that's not enough. Let me throw in, I wanted to go back and I have this nostalgia of old, material that's out there so i've been browsing all these old modules from first second third fourth edition all of them and i've got little pieces that i've hand selected and say all right over in this hex i'm going to put something that came from ad and d that i don't think any of them had ever played or seen but i'm going to drop it in here so if anybody happens to go over there they're going to get something that's a converted ad and d adventure like thing and then this over here is a fourth edition thing i'm going to convert that and this over here is Um, something from an OSR that's not even D&D, but I'm going to convert it to 5E so it'll work. So I've got all these little things in place that you can stumble on that are modules from other areas or mega dungeons or um, quest hooks or whatever it might be from other places. Plus I have all mine that I've created and all the rules to try to generate letting groups run this. So it's been a huge endeavor and it's definitely one of those, if this was the way I made my campaign, and then I turned around and did a video about game prep. It would be totally different than all my other previous videos for campaign prep. Mm-hmm. Because this one has been big. This one has taken time. This one has been bringing things together and converting things and keying a map. Keying a hex map is a big deal. Like It's so cool to see all of these ones that are in other systems that you can buy. But I built my own map. That was using Hexographer, get all the terrain looking okay, then put all the things in place, then go through and and just start labeling the stuff at the top and the side. I didn't realize how hard it was to number a hex map. Um, And there's programs that you can buy out there that'll make a lot of this stuff simpler. But for this first test run, I didn't want to spend a lot of money doing it. I'm just getting stuff I can find and do myself without all this extra stuff. And then later on, I would probably use the tools that would make it all easier. So I'm doing it all my hand. Plus, I'm going to stream it. Plus, I'm going to get a show going. I've got a whole Discord that's dedicated to it. I've got documents that are created for how do you create your character? How do you create your party? How do you schedule a game? Um, all those rules. Then I've got – I built a, a skill system for traveling so that we could – because I want the sessions to be a four-hour session, and I don't want it to bleed over into multiple sessions. I want it to be a go-out, do some cool stuff, and come back to town kind of – Right. Feeling in the game. So one of the things I wanted to cut out was traveling there and back. Like if I did random rolls, like you would normally, and we had a a combat encounter there before they even get to where they're going, that could eat up a lot of time of the session. So they don't have a lot of time at whatever they're exploring. And I want to cut that out. So I created a skills System to you know just roll some dice and do some things that will give them bonuses or minuses depending on how well they do, and then we'll just be where they want to be type thing. Do you and have rumors...
0: scrolls of town portals or?
1: Yes, that's that... the other thing. Um, it's a one way, and what it does is it um, it's very Diablo style. Okay, like you have a uh, you can go wherever, and it's basically going to be a chalk that you buy. It's a magical chalk that you buy from a shop in town. And if you draw the symbol, a circle, and they'll draw the symbols, it takes about 10 minutes um, because I want them, it's basically a concentration spell and I want them to do it for 10 minutes so they can't just do it quickly. And everybody stands in the circle and then it teleports them back to town at a certain spot. And it stays active until they go back through it and they can go back to where they just left off. But if there's days in between, who knows what's changed in that area, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing that they created on the floor is invisible. So anything that might be looking through there, if it walked through that same room, it wouldn't see that there's a portal sitting there. um, So it wouldn't necessarily know to just be waiting for them to come out. But it might know that somebody was near there previously. So there could be all kinds of cool, fun gameplay. But I wanted this, get back to town, and then be able to go back out and adventure whenever you got your group back together. So there's not that pressure. We have to continue these sessions one back to back to back. Um, they could be spread out every two weeks. They could be once a week. They could mm. be once a month. They could be whatever, whenever you get your group together. The other thing, as far as forming parties, I don't care what levels. If they want to bring in a fifth level character and it's going to run with their buddies that are all first levels, okay. There's none of okay. that's going to matter. Um, I think the XP is still going to be doled out the normal way, and so spreading it out, spreading it thin is, you know, going to help some people. Not going to help as many other people. Um, Lots of random loot tables and stuff in there. Lots of magic item stuff. In fact, I have a supplement that will allow me to do over a million unique and different styles of magic items. (laughs) Uh, That was built by Bruce Cordell and uh, back for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And was a way to simulate the type of magic items that were created in Diablo 2. And so I'm going to use a very similar process okay. converted from 5e that has this thing that does a lot of random rolling that turns these magic items into cool stuff. And then people can pick those up. So that's going to be super fun. Um, so that's really everything I've been doing. I've been streaming some of that. So I've had help from people stopping by and given ideas. We did naming of the town. I want to have the town detailed out. I want to have the tavern one tavern, definitely detailed out, which is the Adventurer's tavern. Um, that's the place where everybody can get their things. There's no actual adventures in town. So it's not like I have it all detailed out, but it's not like we're going to be running storylines in town. It's all about going out into these lands and finding stuff out new deities, new gods and goddesses, um, new magic spells that I'm picking up from some other sources, um, new magic items, all kinds of stuff that I'm going to throw in here. And maybe it's too much, right? It could fail. Yeah. completely i'm building a house of cards at the moment <laughs> at any moment felix the cat could come racing through <laughs> and smack everything down or my dog could come racing through and smack everything down and it may just blow up and not work at all but we're going to give it a shot it's going to be the biggest but it's, thing I've I, it's
0: a really good experiment i think it's a fun experiment yeah. uh and it's going to be super interesting it's daunting though like you're putting a lot on your shoulders so don't burn yourself out i guess yeah. uh, would be my i just only got advice, that from my
1: players but... today they were like they sent me a text and said are you sure you just don't want to run a, an adventure that's pre-written because you know you're just going to burn out doing all this and i'm just oh, like oh no <laughs> it's true and you're probably exactly right and i'm going to look back at this text and say or i'm going to listen to jordan say you're absolutely right if i have listened to you guys you know a month ago i was gonna burn out but right now it's so fun yeah and the creativity is just so much and i'm like i'm learning how to weave things in and i'm like this little group of things that they've never seen is going to interact with this thing and they might stumble on this and how is that gonna it's just like all this stuff is rolling in my head and it's like this big epic book you know game of thrones style story that's in my head at the moment i can't wait for it to unfold and it might not never unfold that's the crazy thing you could bail all of this and none of them even go to those places. You just never know when you're building something like that. So yeah, we'll see. It is a fun experiment. I'm going to like it. I'm going to give it a full year test run, see how it goes. I'll probably have videos where I talk about the starting, the, the middle and the end. And people will be able, even uh, people in the show will be able to join in and run their own games run their own parties, run their own characters. So fans of the show get ready because I'll be announcing all of this. Starting Monday is when I'll start announcing a lot of the stuff and signups will start happening and scheduling will start happening and all that stuff starts getting rolled out hopefully Monday. And then Monday night will be the first game that I run. I have one party, my, my home party that is going to run it like a normal campaign. They're not doing some of the things that I have set up for everybody else. And it's just because they're going to be in the same world and they're going to be doing stuff. But then I have the, how I'm going to run this as a mega campaign for everybody else and all the stuff. So Hopefully it all works out. We'll see. It should be fun. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, it sounds exciting. So it's lots of really, really cool stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, they had one other cool thing in there. Um, there was something in that book that talked about saving the game sheet of paper. So like you could build a, um, a dungeon experience, a mega dungeon experience, which I'm really into at the moment, which is why I'm trying to do a bunch of these. And um, the idea is that when you go into the the mega dungeon, whatever it is, you have a, a treasure sheet of piece of paper that where you mark down xp that you get treasure you get magic items you get during that time if you make it out at the end of the session you transfer everything from your sheet to your character sheet it is now official if you go three hours later and at the end of that everybody dies then you throw that sheet away and we start the game right back when you were walking into Mm -hmm. the temple thing again so it's almost like a save game area yeah and i kind of like um that interesting mechanic of if you're going to do a dungeon delving style campaign where it's all about diving as far and as deep as you can into the, the mega dungeon. And if it goes horribly wrong, you just, you respawn back. And it's just a cool way. It's a little um, PC gamey or, or console gamey, but it's also still can have a lot of cool RPG fun and storytelling and stuff in it. And it's a mix of the two things. I think that's that'd be really fun to experiment and try Maybe
0: out. Maybe they lose half their gold when they do that, like, respawn at the save point. So that there's... Uh, because, I you know, D- Dungeons & Dragons is about taking risks, but you're very attached to your characters and you don't necessarily want to die. So that creates the tension. You kind of eliminate that tension with uh, a, a, a save point, but allowing a player to... Um, respawn having some kind of consequence like losing half your gold or something would still encourage them to take risks but actually care about what they're about to do so i don't know
1: Yeah. And I I just, it's kind of pulling in some genres that I like, like if I'm going to play a computer game because I can't get my friends together to role play, which has happened many times throughout my life where you just couldn't find a party to play. Although being able to play online has kind of changed that for me. But back when it was the only way you played was if you could get, you know, people at your table and if that couldn't happen because of schedules or whatever, you kind of looked for other things. Like you would play things like Baldur's Gate or you might play Mm -hmm. people might go to Skyrim because at least it's role playing. At least I have a character. At least I'm leveling up and it's mm-hmm. fun. Um, oh, I'll show. Let's see. I don't know if you guys can see this. This is one of the things I'm using. <laughs> Advanced Dungeons and Dragons written by Bruce Cordell Diablo two written in 2000. Can you imagine 18 years ago? That was written.
0: Oh, makes me feel so old. Yes, yeah, I remember 2000 vividly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so that's pretty fun. And I just think that the the whole idea of being able to do that style. Now, it's not a style that everybody wants. Lots of people like story style RPGing. Lots of people like, like you're saying, we, we were talking just before the show, we were talking about um, kids on bikes. And that's not going to be necessarily the crunchy dungeon delving, moving miniatures on the table style game. And that's fine. There's lots of people that want this cool 80s intrigue, Halloween fun teenage kids or even just preteen kids mm-hmm. getting into trouble and then saving the town somehow kind of because we love those movies and if we can't have that we'll go watch those movies but if we can role play it we're going to role play it yeah. like i love playing my tales from the loop which is basically kids on bikes the same thing yeah i need to read tales a from the Loop. Time. it was so good i love it back on my shelf there it is yeah. so good six-sided dice very light rule systems gets out of the way so you can just tell a story but it is very thematic and i know this is this is the lead into what i know you want to talk about is it's a different style of game to prep than dungeons and dragons is when you're talking about this more story driven more player has agency than on the storyline more so than they do in D- dungeons and dragons and that makes prepping as a dm or a gm different mm-hmm. in that way but yeah let's talk about all the stuff you've been working on this week or all the role playing well, you got to. yeah do.
0: yeah going into actually let's just continue this conversation and talk about kids on bikes a little bit. So I'm trying to prep this game and it's going to be like a Halloween game and there's going to be a a haunted house. Basically my, my players have been double dog dared to go up to the creepy haunted house in town. Um, it's abandoned, you know, probably that's where the teenagers go drinking or something, but you know, our, our 10 to 13 year olds are trick or treating and they're going to go up to this house. Uh, Somehow, we'll get him inside the house. We'll figure it out, but inside the house it is actually haunted and so I went to Reddit and said, "Hey, reddit, like how do I and i should I should have pulled this up, but um, to summarize, I went to Reddit and I said, "You know, if I have a ghost, um how do i do I give the ghost stats and then because a lot of a lot of save on dice is opposing roles, and so mm-hmm. One of two things happen. You either set a difficulty challenge like this is difficulty 12 and then they have to roll a stat that relates to that. But the compromise the storytelling aspect of kids on bikes is, I could say, you're going to pick this lock and it's like, well, I want to use my brains to do that. Okay. Well, if you use your brains because you're smart, it's going to be a DC 10. It's like, well, I want to kick it down. Okay. Well, if you're going to kick it down, you're going to use your fight. That's going to be DC 15 because it's a strong door. And so you, you kind of talk amongst your group and you're like, how can we get the DC to the lowest and correspond that with the player that has a really high skill in that ability? Uh, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the, the fun of the game is trying to figure that out. So I was saying like, well, what if a ghost attacks you? Like, what if I have a ghost? Cause my mindset is dungeons and dragons and monsters. I'm like, do I need to stat out the ghost so that, um, If I want to attack a player, I would roll my attack and they would roll their defense and whoever's higher wins, the two of them. And you do opposed rolls because it says that if, you know, two players reach for something at the same time, they're both going to do speed checks to see who gets it first. Like you do opposed Mm -hmm. rolls between players. Um, And somebody on Reddit who is really, really awesome said, no, 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 you're thinking about this all wrong. Like you shouldn't have to stat out anything. It should all be difficulty challenges. Like how difficult is it for the ghost to hit them? Like you set that challenge because of the way the narrative is there. Like if the ghost is trapped behind something, that swipe is going to be less than if it's out in the open. Or if you want that to be super difficult um, maybe they'll think of a different way around it. Like they use the vacuum cleaner to suck up the ghost. So mm-hmm. it, you know, does less damage like Ghostbuster style. So mm-hmm. it's been a different mentality of a game because I'm, I'm used to dungeons and dragons. I'm used to monsters have hit points. You do this, this, and this, uh, there are no hit points in kids on bikes. Everything is kind of like, you can die. You can get mortally injured, uh, or you can get not, you know, severely injured, but there's no hit points. There's how does that affect the story? Like if somebody breaks their mm-hmm. leg, they're still in the story, but the story has changed now and the players have to have to uh, reflect the, the broken leg. Like they have to role play with that and help that person or abandon that person or something like that. If, if Whatever the situation calls for.
1: Yeah. Tales from the Loops is very similar where there's not hit points necessarily, but you have conditions Mm -hmm. and conditions can make it harder for you to do things later on as you gain them. So to me, um, and it's always a lot of die rolling on the player side, which this is something that I I learned in Numenera and I like that's in other games too, where the GM doesn't have to roll anything. If you're always couching what's happening in the players doing it. So when the ghost is attacking the player, the player's rolling to dodge or, or get out of the way. And that's a certain difficulty yeah. level. And then if they want to do something to the ghost or, or the bad guy or the bank robber or whatever it happens to be, then they're trying to hit that person. And there's never me having to roll dice or there's never us checking numbers or anything because it's either they make their DC or they don't and then something would happen. Um, And then it would be condition-based. I know a lot of the Powered by the Apocalypse things, you don't necessarily have to write down what hit points you have because you're going to do conditions. And usually there's a bunch of them. So like you get scared, you get angry, you get confused, and all these things add a little bit of a negative because now you're, you're not acting optimally. And if you get all of them, that's when you get like knocked unconscious. So if all of these conditions happen to you, you're just knocked unconscious. Now Tales from the Loop specifically says no kids can die. There is no adventure there is no way for a single child to die uh-huh. in any of them you can be knocked out and then that can end the campaign or that can end what's going on but you know they're gonna move past that so they don't have that piece. But I think that's I think you found your answer that you' were looking for which was really cool and that, that yeah. idea that there d Pathfinder, lots of games out there Starfinder, all these different games where it's um, the DM might roll for the mo- the NPCs and the players roll for themselves is one style, but there's also this other predominant style out there, this Numenera, this other Mm -hmm. storytelling style, which is players roll dice, GMs just set difficulty levels. And then we just narrate what happens when you, when you make or miss, you know, and I think that's another cool, valid way to do that too. So,
0: and I've said this before, I, I love Dungeons and Dragons. It, that game does not teach you how to role play. That game hmm. teaches you how to tactically kind of combat and and create builds and, and and have lots of fun with your friends. But it wasn't until I played Numenera that I'm just like, oh, this is what role-playing is. Like, we have to collectively tell this story. Like, I do this. And, and so Kids on Bikes is like that, too. And it'll be interesting when I go to my Dungeons & Dragons table and I'm like, this is a really different game that I want to play. So it's role-playing, but, like, we're not... We have to collectively tell this story and the game is written about that, that the, the dungeon master has, or the, the game master, I should say for kids Mm -hmm. on bikes. Um, there are situations where because of the way the dice rolled that the player gets narrative control. And so it's like you get to decide what happens to this. Did you, you know, suck up the ghost into your into your uh, vacuum cleaner? Now you have a ghost in a vacuum cleaner. What does that mean? Because you were really successful on your role to attack it with a vacuum cleaner. Whatever, like narratively, however they take the story, the dungeon master or the game master has to reflect that and, and go along with it. And that's mm-hmm. really intimidating because um, as I'm writing this story, I want to have a beginning, middle, and an end. And I want to be able to lead my players through this beginning, middle, and end. But the uh, the book that I bought, the deluxe edition of Kids on Bikes, comes with a whole bunch of like pre-written games, but none of them have an ending. All they have is here's a town, here are certain situations in that town, here are certain conflicts in that town good luck. And yeah. that's like, well, what do I do? Like, and Matt Colville <laughs> wrote one which was really cool. He's in the Kids on Bikes book and I was just like, oh, I'll, like read Matt's and I ended up reading all of them and they're really interesting. Like, like one of them is a haunted house, one of them deals with uh, a Bigfoot that's and it says this Bigfoot could be being tracked by the FBI. This Bigfoot could be a creature from outer space trying to re uh, trying to uh, rebuild a spaceship or this Bigfoot could have raised a feral girl in the woods. And so you have to kind of like help this Bigfoot somehow because of what are X, Y and Z. And so it's like here are three problems there's really no way, like, we're not telling you how to solve it. And that's just kind of that improv intimidation, I guess, where Mm -hmm. uh, they always say, like, well, we'll be good at improv for RPGs. Improv will really help your RPGs. But we've talked about this before, that nobody actually teaches you how to do that. But games like Numenera, if you play them, and games, I think, like Kids on Bikes, Tales from the Loop, the more you play them, the more you're kind of forced into because you have to tell the story. Like you can't just be a passive player because those games don't, don't work with passive players. Mm
1: -hmm. Like
0: that's the whole point of the game is that, well, you roll, especially in kids on bikes. Well, you rolled a 15. I rolled a seven. You have narrative control. You have to tell me what's going on now. And it's like, well, I don't want to, I want the DM to tell me. It's like, well, that's not how the game works. So, yeah.
1: And I think it's a kind of like a sign of the times. I think even MJS October kind of touched on it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say D&D even before probably 2 years ago you would rarely if ever I would never have heard my DM say hey you got the killing blow on that thing describe how it dies that it was always the DM describing really? everything to us it was always they were telling us how the world was reacting to the only thing we were saying is I want to throw my fireball yeah and then the GM would tell tell you exactly how it looked, what it where it went, what all happened. We weren't part of that process as much, and maybe that you know some people have played with GMS that were ahead of the time in that, but for the most part, I felt like it was a simulation or a tactical simulation of that combat, and we were listening to the GM narrate it to us as our actions were affecting it. But more recently, and I think I picked it up from Matt Mercer for sure this idea of when when a character lands the final blow let them describe it mm-hmm. because i was just like it was so cool to watch how people get so into the story and they get so wrapped up into it if you let them describe something even if that's not the way you wanted it to be like i take his arm off and you're like oh shoot i didn't want his arm off because i'm going to bring right. him back but you're like all right let him run with it you know yeah yeah but it was like once i saw him doing that i thought yeah i, I do that for all my players now i let them describe criticals i let them describe the the final blow or i let them if they do something really cool i just step back and say well tell me how you leaped did a tumble roll over the table and did all this stuff you just asked me to do off of this athletics roll." you tell me you just let run with it and they'll say stuff that'll be like uh you know and i did this and i throw the table in the fire and now there's smoke everywhere in the room and that might not be something i wanted to happen but you know what i'm gonna roll with it yeah I i think you're right that certain games can help you learn to improv but nothing can teach you to do it. It's only like practice, I think. Can you get better at improv? Yes. It's just practicing it and yeah. you have to start somewhere and you have to have a game that allows you to do it and you have to have players that are going to be ready to do it. And you could, you, you, like this fear you had that you talked about a little bit earlier too, was what if your players aren't comfortable with improv yet? What if yeah. they aren't that type of player? So you have to kind of figure out a way to make them comfortable in doing it and help them along doing it while it's all new to you at the same time so it's definitely daunting on some of these story-based games
0: no it's uh and i've been thinking about kids on bikes a lot this week because uh i'm I'm trying to i want to be able early october to record this game and then edit it and put it on the internet for halloween and actually be like look we did we did a cool thing um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't record a lot of my games, so I think it'll be really fun for the the Saturday morning D and D show community and just friends of the show to be like, oh look, like Jordan actually plays games because we never see him play games. But uh, I don't know, it's it's uh, that in mind that I'm going to air it um, on the internet makes me want to make it really really good, and that makes me want to like script it out when I really need to just trust my players and trust in the game system and create um, an interesting game that way, an interesting story that way. So. So yeah, that's Kids on Bikes. I, I really like it. I like the idea of it. I think it's a fun, cool game. Um, I kind of got away from a lot of other things. Uh, I I What else did I do this week? I played a little Hot Springs Island. Um, that game is also becoming heavily improvised because I roll randomly when they decide to go somewhere. So they're like, I'm going to go to Hex B7. I roll randomly to see what's in Hex B7. Um, and... I feel like I escalated the story a little too far because they found this magical stone that I wasn't really prepared for them to find, but they rolled really well and they were searching and so they found it. And this magical stone belongs to the big bad end guy, evil guy. And I'm like, wow, I kind of escalated this where they're just like, well, now we've got a stone. We should go attack him. And I'm just like, oh, you're gonna die if you try that because he's <laughs> like a little like you. You should have been maybe level four or five before you found this stone, but you're level two or three. So uh, that that's been an interesting thing. But I'm I'm having a lot of fun with Hot Springs Island. Um, I talked about Saver Dice. I'm going to be doing that for the next uh, five five more weeks of that, which is going to be really fun. Every Wednesday at seven Eastern um, on YouTube on Saver Dice, so you could check that out. And then finally. Um, Today, uh, I'm going to be on gratuitous roleplay. Um, I'm going to be a special guest on them. They're going to stream their Tomb of Annihilation game, and I'll be playing a kobold thief named Dirk, uh, mm. which will be a lot of fun. And I don't really know what's going on. They just asked me. They said, hey, we, do you want to be like a special guest star on our show? We've been a long-running Tomb of Annihilation game. I think they're in kind of the final tomb area. Um, uh, the the quote tomb of annihilation. I think they're in it. I think
1: they're typing in chat right now. Oh, for they you.
0: probably are. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, Casey. Uh, woo. So yeah, that's gonna be super fun. So uh, be sure to check out them, uh, which is Twitch TV slash gratuitous roleplay, right? Crit- gratuitous RP.
1: Yeah, they should be able to put the link in. I think I have links enabled there. Yeah.
0: So link it up, um, and that's gonna be at well one. 3 p.m. Eastern, I believe, said. Um And I'll try to host them as well. I never host anybody. I should be hosting this show as well. But everybody who goes to my channel <laughs> probably goes to Sir Lucian's channel. You, so. you
1: are a host on this show. I thank you. Thank <laughs> it's you. the wrong kind.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Twitch TV. To, yeah, thank you. So that'll be lots of fun. I'm really excited to, to be a part of that game. Uh, although the the nerves of performing in front of people, again, that's kind of like, ah. Um, what yeah. levels
1: your your Cobalt?
0: I'm a kobold, yeah. Kobold thief. What level? Oh, level seven. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. nice.
1: Sneak attack. So I got damage.
0: all the it's sneak the... attacks. Yep. <laughs> got some double short swords. It should be fun. So cool. Yeah. Uh, so no Adventure League then? No, I decided not to Adventure League because uh, my friends that I play with on Tuesdays that we all kind of get together to play Adventure League. Uh, they were like, well, we've got something going on, so we're not going to go to Adventure League. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go by myself because I like playing with my new friends. So I opted to stay home, and I was going to live stream, and then I found out that uh, I can't live stream because my ISP seems to be limiting my streaming co- capabilities, so I need to call them and figure out what's going on because that's fun. But I wanted to do a big like Q&A on Eberron because I was excited about Eberron, and I've been reading Wayfinder's Guide, and it's just kind of fun stuff, so... Uh, once I figure out my streaming stuff, look for that in the future, over on Forgotten Realms yeah. Explained.
1: You mentioning your Saturday game? Uh, I'm going to be doing a character creation tonight for yeah. a pretty casual game of Predation. What's that? Um, which is one of the setting books for um, Cipher System. So the stuff that Numenera is built off, Strange and all that stuff. It was stuff that I ran and demoed at um, Gen Con this past year. Um, a few weeks ago, and so Agrippa the Green has put together uh, a call out of players that wanted to try the game out, and she was looking for a GM. So I volunteered that we do a nice little one shot to teach people the game. Sweet. So tonight we're going to do the character creation, so they can. And here's something that's really cool that you might like. You're going to want to play this at some point. So this is Predation is dinosaurs and technology mix, right? Yes. The the plot storyline is uh, somebody invented time travel. They decided to go 65 million years back into earth's history to get resources. And they went that far back because nothing they did to the planet would matter because the comet would hit it, wipe everything out and everything started over so that it wasn't going to mess with the timeline in any way. Uh, At least that's what they think. So this is why they went back and did it, but then they were going back and forth and that stopped. And that's where the world starts is this, there's no longer something's happened. Nobody can go back and forth. Everybody's stuck. Now, what do we do 65 million years ago? And they have technology on dinosaurs. So dinosaurs with lasers and all kinds of cool technology. So you're mixing the two things together, which is fun. But here's the other cool thing about this game. Not only do you create a character in this game, you create a companion dinosaur. Yeah. Everybody gets a companion dinosaur. And here's even more fun. You don't play your companion dinosaur. After you create them, you hand them to the person on your left (laughs) they play your dinosaur and you play somebody else's dinosaur. So it's this really cool mechanic of everybody having a character, everybody having a companion, everybody getting to play somebody else's character. So hopefully we'll get to play a little bit of that into the game. It's only a one shot. So you only see so much of the rules. And then next Saturday is when we're going to run the game. I'll probably stream it on my channel, but we're still wanting it to be kind of a casual game. So we'll see that that might change or not, but I felt it was really fun. Predation is a really cool game. And, and, uh, hopefully maybe I get to run it for some other people too, or tales from the loop. I want to run or over over my, my, oh, my yeah, you got Overlight. So over dungeon world, we got to play some dungeon world, uh, all the good stuff. <laughs> um, what time are you streaming that tonight? <laughs> um, I, we're going to start after nine. I'm just going to throw my stream up of me talking to the player. So it'll just be me and I'll be able to answer questions about predation. So if people want to come on and just find yeah. out what the game's about, I'll be there doing that while helping them, um, create, uh, characters so cool. cool yay we got a new follower
0: yay new followers <laughs> um well this was super fun uh i have a couple of, of like i need to i'm gonna write this down on the show notes and maybe we can just tackle it when we have less to talk about but like i ran a dungeon crawl classics game which i was really excited about and i'd like to talk more about dcc because i'm going to slowly evolve or not evolve but level up my players and hopefully play another game of dcc um because the more I research dungeon crawl classics, the more I'm just like, this is the game for me. Like, I just love, I love dungeon delving and fighting and like there's crit tables and there's miss tables and it's just so much fun. So, uh, go research characters, zero level characters, go research dungeon crawl (laughs) classics. I think you'll fall in love with it too. If you're, uh, anything like me. So, but with that, I think we'll wrap up our show unless you have anything else you want to talk about before we
1: go. I think that's it. Everybody just keep, you know, following on all the channels. Me and Jordan are always looking for more followers and talking to us in those video uh, message areas too. There's lots of good conversations going on in there. Always ask us questions. Check us out on Twitter. We are always on Twitter keeping up to date on what's going on and there's games. Keep an eye out on Monday because Monday is going to win. If you want to play in a game with, with me in this campaign, this mega world, you're going to see the information that's going to allow you to do that and get your friends in it at the same time.
0: Sweet. Yep. And, uh, yeah, indoor adventure, put the link in there. But if you, if, if you do leave, uh, comments on the YouTube channel, um, Lucian's actually really good at popping in there and, and answering stuff. And then I, i will answer as saturday morning D&D show rather than my other youtube channel but i pop in there and answer questions too so um it's a good way to get a hold of us you can always follow us on twitter um our twitter handles are above and below us so uh go ahead and check that out yep. and all the
1: links are in the chat and, now
0: and, yeah and we will see you Yay, next week you with another episode on. of the saturday morning D&D show thank you guys so much for coming out bye. uh love having you and take care <laughs> bye everybody